Welcome to NCFM Today, a podcast about family medicine in the Old North State. I'm Kevin Latour, Communications and Membership Manager at the NCAFP. Earlier this month, we were lucky to have our 2023 Winter Family Physicians Weekend at the Omni Grove Park Inn in Asheville. This meeting is the biggest event of our year because it's where our members reunite, develop their clinical skills with a range of CME topics, handle official NCAFP business, and commemorate the year as it ends. That is exactly what immediate past president Dr. Shauna Guthrie did during her speech at the meeting when she looked back on her work and the Academy's 2023 achievements. We're glad to bring you that entire speech for today's podcast episode. Here is Dr. Shauna Guthrie speaking at the 2023 Winter Family Physicians Weekend. And now for our year in review, and it was a busy one, especially at the North Carolina General Assembly. We had a very successful year legislatively, making a positive impact on six of our seven priorities for this two-year biennium. And what I've noticed is that each item builds on another to really support all phases, from students wanting to choose family medicine, through attendings and preceptors enjoying their practice and being rewarded for their work. First, after a decade of effort by people long before I came along, today, literally today, North Carolina is finally expanding Medicaid. Medicaid is going to be so pleased that you guys gave them a standing ovation. (laughs) This has been one of the NCAFP's top priorities for many, many years. Governor Cooper signed House Bill 76 on March 27th, my birthday. However, the bill was tied to passage of a budget, which did not happen until October. But today, December 1st, over half a million North Carolinians are receiving much-needed health care coverage. And I'm so proud to say that in my role, I didn't mess it up. You should all give yourself another hand. Another long-term academy priority has been to reduce administrative burden. We're pleased to work with our colleagues at the North Carolina Medical Society to edit to advocate for House Bill 649, ensure timely slash clinically sound utilization review. The bill passed the House unanimously, but has not been scheduled for hearing in the Senate. We will continue to work with the Medical Society and meet regularly with other insurance companies to move this bill forward in the upcoming short session. Knowing how essential reducing administrative burden is to your well-being. In the meantime, we continue to meet with the state's major payers and strongly encourage them to eliminate or reduce prior authorizations, and they are listening. In the past few months, many of our state's payers have announced reductions in prior authorizations, including United Healthcare eliminating 20% of the prior authorizations, and they will be implementing a gold card program in 2024. And Carolina Complete Health has also announced a significant reduction in prior authorizations. This year, we helped lead a coalition with many others, from CCNC to the Medical Society to other specialty societies, to advocate for greater investment in workforce, another key academy priority. We're happy to report the General Assembly put a lot more funding in the state budget to address healthcare workforce than they ever have before. 
First, the General Assembly enacted a forgivable loan program for medical students interested in practicing primary care or psychiatry in rural areas of the state, which includes 80 of the 100 counties in North Carolina. The budget allocates $16 million over two years for these medical students to receive $25,000 per year toward medical school, which will be forgiven if they work in a rural area for one year for every year they receive the scholarship. This begins in the 24-25 academic year. Second, the budget provides $25 million per year for two years, 10 times the amount normally appropriated for loan repayment programs for healthcare professionals, including $9 million extra per year for the existing state loan repayment program, which family physicians do qualify for. It also includes a new primary care loan repayment program at a level of $5 million a year for practicing family physicians, general internists, general pediatricians, OBGYNs, and psychiatrists. Independent practices in rural or medically underserved areas are deemed automatically eligible for this new program as long as at least one clinician in the practice accepts Medicaid. In addition to physicians, there's also loan repayment for your other staff who work in your office like nurses and behavioral health specialists. Third, the General Assembly is addressing the community-based preceptor crisis through funding North Carolina AHEC to study the crisis in North Carolina and report back to the General Assembly. In addition, it provides $150,000 per year for two years to protect teaching time in five rural clinical teaching hubs that North Carolina AHEC will either select or develop. These teaching hubs will have to regularly precept both medical students and either NP or PA students to qualify. Bottom line, we successfully advocated for significant incentives to practice in specialties of need, particularly family physicians and particularly in underserved areas of the state. We also led the effort for greater investment in primary care, and our legislators are listening including a budget provision for a task force under DHHS to study primary care payment reform in North Carolina. They're charged with establishing a standardized method to evaluate and measure primary care spend, studied the primary care landscape in other states, identify data collection and measurement systems to ultimately inform the creation of a primary care investment target, and make recommendations back to the General Assembly. We think this task force could have long-reaching implications for primary care in North Carolina. Our next legislative focus was scope of practice. We have worked with our PA colleagues to support legislation that would focus on team-based practice while reducing the administrative paperwork burden for supervising a physician assistant. The proposed paperwork uh, framework requires the PA to practice in a team-based setting and have a minimum number of years of experience and remain regulated by the medical board. The bill easily passed the House and was sent to the Senate, but is held up for now as it has been tied to legalizing medical marijuana. Can't make this stuff up. We have, long held, we have a long-held belief that team-based practice is ultimately best for all our patients. Legislation addressing APRNs does not include provisions addressing experience or a team-based setting. As a result, we have opposed that bill, and thus far, it has not received a committee hearing. We have also had to address a number of issues regarding pharmacist scope of practice. While we agreed to provide latitude for adult vaccines with a clear protocol developed by the medical board and pharmacy board, 
We have drawn a line in the sand regarding childhood and adolescent vaccines, with the exception of flu and COVID, insisting that these provided, be provided in your offices as their medical home. We've also strongly resisted pharmacist proposals to allow testing and treatment of many diseases. Legislation requiring telehealth parity did not pass this year, but both Medicaid and Blue Cross of North Carolina have adopted policies providing parity for video telehealth visits, especially in primary care. We continue to talk to other insurers regarding this issue. The hardest issue we faced this year was protecting the sanctity of the physician-patient relationship and criminalization of medical acts. Our key tenant has long been to keep the government and the insurance company out of the exam room, regardless of the issue. We believe healthcare decisions are best made between a patient and their trusted physician, and changing this could have far-reaching consequences beyond the topics of reproductive health, abortion, and gender-affirming care. We, we utilized well-crafted and targeted responses and saw our thoughtful and well-reasoned arguments help avoid even more stringent restrictions around reproductive rights, such as a six-week or complete ban on abortions. Please know we will continue to argue for the sanctity of the physician-patient relationship, whatever the issue. As you can tell by this weekend, our educational often offerings are only getting stronger each year. Beyond this meeting, which sold out this year, we had a number of other great educational events in 2023. These included our second annual Family Medicine Academic Summit, targeted specifically for faculty at medical schools and our state's residency programs. We had two great virtual educational opportunities, the first on complex pain management led by Dr. Pracken, and a virtual summer symposium with over 160 attendees. We were also excited to bring back in-person evening regional programming this year after taking a three-year hiatus due to COVID. We brought great programming closer to our members in Charlotte last spring and Chapel Hill this past fall. Both of these proved extremely successful and really received great feedback. Beyond the primary care investment study, we've worked tirelessly to educate our members about a new primary care payment and investment model being rolled out by Medicare's Innovation Center in eight states, including North Carolina, called Making Care Primary. The model would help practices move toward prospective payment for core primary care services and uses a small set of quality metrics where you can increase your payment by up to 60% by achieving the quality metrics. It also includes additional enhanced services payment that is risk-adjusted based on the complexity and social determinant status of your Medicare patients. CMS is strongly encouraging other payers, including Medicaid commercial, Medicare Advantage plans to align with making care primary model. Much more to come on this. Please read your NCAFP minute that comes out regularly. And for just a few other miscellaneous items, we continue to work in a coalition supporting the collaborative care model of integrating behavioral health into your practice. That coalition successfully advocated for $5 million in startup costs for primary care practices adopting this model. Look for how to apply in months coming. We advocated at a federal level in numerous ways, including through AAFP's Family Medicine Advocacy Summit, sending chapter letters about Medicare payments to our congressional delegation, directly to CMS, and to others. We strongly opposed any physician rate cuts and strongly supported implementation of the G2211 complexity codes for primary care, which is slated to go into effect January 1st. 
We became more involved with the health policy initiative at UNC Asheville through both Dr. Mark McNeil and Dr. Jeff Heck, which helped us provide advocacy messages around the importance of family medicine specifically and primary care in general. As you probably already know, we had great success in putting family physicians into leadership positions at the state, national, and international level. Just several weeks ago, Dr. Viviana Martinez-Bianchi was elected President-elect of WANCA, the World Organization of Family Physicians. Dr. Karen Smith continues to serve as an AAFP board member and a board member of the North Carolina Medical Society, while Mott Blair serves on the board of ABFM. Dr. Tamika Howell finished a term on the AAFP Commission on Membership and Member Services this year. And Dr. Andrea DeSantis Barkley is a member of the AAFP Commission on Federal and State Policy. Dr. Art Apollinario recently completed his term as president of the North Carolina Medical Society. And Dr. Christine Candlewall has become the president of the North Carolina Medical Board, while Dr. Dev Sangvai and Dr. Chuck Rich both continue to serve as members, giving family medicine three representatives on the medical board. We also had a number of family physicians appointed to various other boards and commissions at the state level this year. Dr. Carrie Willis was appointed to the Board of Trustees of the State Health Plan for Teachers and state employees. Dr. Garrett Franklin, our incoming president, was appointed to the North Carolina Board of Athletic Trainer Examiners. Dr. Deanna Didiano was appointed to the North Carolina Board of Dietetics and Nutrition. Dr. Eugene Reynolds was appointed to the Justice Warren Heart Disease and Stroke Prevention Task Force. Dr. Corinna Myers was appointed to the North Carolina Human Trafficking Commission. Dr. Scott Playford was appointed to the North Carolina Boxing and Combat Sports Commission. Dr. Gabriela Marie Placencia was appointed to the North Carolina Minority Health Advisory Council. Dr. Vicki Fowler and Larry Wu continued to serve on the North Carolina Ad Advisory Committee on Cancer Coordination and Control, and Dr. Fowler is now chair of the committee. Dr. Rebecca Putnam continues to serve in the North Carolina Council on De Developmental Disabilities. I myself served on the North Carolina Newborn Screening Advisory Committee and the Duke CTSI Integrating Special Populations Advisory Council. I'm sure we've missed some of you out there. I apologize. Family physicians have such a great history of service to their state and their communities. Please give all of them a hand. I would also make sure that we recognize one other special family physician leader who will be leaving her post at the beginning of this year. Dr. Shannon Dowler has tirelessly served Medicaid for about four years as Chief Medical Officer for North Carolina Medicaid. She helped guide our state through COVID and helped us navigate managed care implementation, either of which would have been a full-time job, but she did so much more. Let's give her a round of applause. I have to mention a few of our internal positives as well. Katherine Atkinson was elected president-elect of the Association of Executives of North Carolina, the state's organization for association professionals. Kevin Latour joined our staff. Yes, Kevin Latour joined our staff as manager of communications and membership in January. He also had it to his own family with a bouncing baby boy back in the summer when Noah came into his world. And Sean Parker continues to serve as a board member of the Federation of State Medical Boards. As you see, we have many things to be thankful for and many things to feel accomplished about. The state of our academy remains strong. 
As my presidential year comes to a close, I'd like to thank our staff, our board officers, and all of you for the support you give to the NCAFP, each other, and your patients and communities every day. We could not do what we do without the support of our members, and we thank you for continuing to remain members, attend events, and advocate for your profession. I've been humbled to serve as your 2023 NCAFP president and thankful for the opportunity you've given me. The NCAFP is not Greg or me or the board. It is every one of you. Please reach out if any of this struck a chord or you would like to get more involved in any way, big or small. Know that you are in good hands as Dr. Garrett Franklin moves into the elected role tomorrow night. And email Greg Griggs if you want to get more involved. <laughs> I hope to see you all there, and thank you all. Thanks again for tuning into this month's edition of NCFM Today. I'm today's host, Kevin Latour, and together with the rest of the NCAFP, I'd like to thank Dr. Guthrie for her service to the Academy, her commitment to her patients, and her example in North Carolina family medicine. You can find NCFM Today on Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, and anywhere else you listen to your favorite shows. If you like hearing from our members, make sure to like and subscribe. You can also find NCFM Today at www.ncafp.com, along with the membership, education, advocacy, and workforce resources that serve family medicine in the Old North State. Until next time, this is the North Carolina Academy of Family Physicians. <laughs> <laughs>